focused on this verse now for uh, many weeks, and we're going to continue uh, to do that uh, this morning. The instructions from the Lord are this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. We've been talking for many years here at Heritage about learning to trust God and the importance of that. It's something that we mention and work into as many different sermons as, as possible. And, and um, one of the things that we looked at last week just by way of review is don't be deceived into thinking you can just muster up trust in God you know, when you need it. Um, the only way to learn to trust God is to trust Him. And trust is built over time and it's built one step at a time. It's built over time and it's built one step at a time. Trust is like character. You, you can't go buy it. It's not for sale. Um, in order to build character, it's built in the tension of the moment. So the only way to be a more loyal friend is to be loyal when a whole bunch of you doesn't want to be. <laughs> Amen. I'm saying a part of your heart is saying, uh, let's, let's not stay with this anymore. Uh, if you want to build your endurance, the only way to build it is when you get to a point that you want to quit. Don't quit and keep going. That's how you increase endurance. And the same is true with trust. It's built in the tension of the moment where part of you is not sure about what God is saying or you know, maybe struggling or resisting it. And you step on out there in um, faith. Praise God. Now, we've come to the following conclusions. And I've given you this list twice already. But I'm going to give it to you again and make a few new comments along the way. Um, first of all, we need God to direct our paths. And it really, that's a simple statement. But I hope you understand the gravity of, of, of what that statement is saying there. Um, Jeremiah 10 and 23 says, um, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And God has promised to order our steps. He's promised to, to lead us and guide us and, and to direct us. But that's not an automatic thing. That's not an automatic thing. Um, let, let me, let's just do a little exercise here. And I think it's going to be clear to you, but let me just do the exercise anyway with you, all right? Is, um, is every person's steps on planet earth determined by God every day of their lives? And, and of course the answer to that is no. Um, every thought, in other words, is it possible for somebody to have a thought that didn't come from God? Yes. Is it possible for somebody to say something that didn't come from God? Yes. Is it possible for somebody to do something that didn't come from God? Yes. Okay. So this idea that no matter what we do, it's God's you know, directing us or leading us is simply not the case. We see in Scripture, for example, the will of God is something that must be sought out. And the will of God is something that must be understood. And then the will of God is something that must be submitted to. Because you can, you can seek out the will of God for your life, but, but not understand it. Okay? And you can understand the will of God, but not submit to it, choose to do something else. So the will of God must be submitted to, and then it, then it must be obeyed. It must be, must be carried through. I heard Brother Keith Moore say this one time. He said, he said, if the will of God is something that must be understood, then that tells me that there are things that happen all the time that are not God's will. Because if everything that happened was God's will, you wouldn't have to understand God's will. You just have to wake up and see what happens, right? I mean, if if everything that happens is God's will, there's nothing to be understood other than okay, that's God's will, that's God's will, that's God's will. But things happen on earth all the time. They're not God's will. 
and I can show you that to you in Scripture. I'm not going to do it now. But there are things that happen all the time on God's earth that are not God's will. On this earth, they're not God's will. And there are things that God wills, that God desires uh, to happen on this earth that do not happen. For example, he said to, to, uh, to Jerusalem, how many times did I want to gather you to myself like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. God's will was to bring them close, to nurture them, to protect them, to provide for them, uh, to grow and develop them uh, to a place of maturity like a mother hen does her chicks. But the people were not willing and so it never happened. Amen. Now, number two, God cannot direct our paths if we never learn to trust Him because all the ways of God require you to trust Him. Number three, God cannot direct your paths if we do things according to our own understanding. And we've said the greatest threat to God's ways producing God's result in your life is your own understanding. Remember, God's ways do not make sense to the natural or carnal mind. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul identifies three different categories of human beings. The first category is that of, of natural. Someone who is natural is a human being who has never been born again. Then he speaks of a group of people who are carnal. A carnal man or woman is a man or woman who has been born again, but for the most part still thinks like someone who has not been still looks at things like someone who has not been born again. They're saved. They're born again, but their, their mind has, has yet to be renewed or reconditioned. And then there's the category of people who are spiritual. A spiritual man or woman is a man or woman who has been born again, but also for the most part thinks like someone who's been born again or looks at things like someone who has been born again. So if you fall into the category of natural or carnal, then God's ways are not going to make sense to you. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says that to the natural man or woman, the things of God are foolishness. It's, it's ridiculous, the, the, the very thought of this. And, and so, you know, people who don't understand, the Bible says you shouldn't speak negatively about things you don't understand. And there are a lot of people who, who violate that, those instructions in uh, the Word of God. Now, I want to kind of camp here for just a minute, Okay. God's ways are not hard in the way that we often think of something being hard. God's ways seem hard. Keyword there, seem hard. God's ways seem hard because they expose internal weaknesses and unresolved issues in our lives. And I'm going to say that same thing again because I want us to really... Uh, you know, again, I think this is something the Holy Spirit's really breathing on for us this morning. One more time. God's ways are not hard in the way we often think of something being hard. God's ways seem hard because they expose internal weaknesses and unresolved issues in our own lives. And so a classic example of this would be Naaman in the Old Testament. If you remember, Naaman had the terminal illness of, um, of leprosy. And he came to the prophet to, uh, to receive healing. And the, uh, God told the prophet to tell Naaman to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Now, when we, again, we're talking about God's ways not being hard. It wasn't like God told Naaman to go climb Mount Everest. Are you, everybody with me this morning? Everybody good? Okay. He didn't say, go climb Mount Everest. And if you can make it to the top of Mount Everest, then you'll be healed. Somebody told him. That would have been hard. 
That would have been difficult. That would, that would have been quite the challenge. And I don't know what the percentage of human beings that have actually made it to the top of Mount Everest is, but it's not, it's not a very large portion of everyone who's ever lived that's ever stood on top of that mountain. But instead, what did he ask him to do? What did he tell him to do? He told him to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Jordan River wasn't that far from where they were. It didn't, he had horses. He had means of transportation to get there. Um, he had people with him in case he couldn't swim and didn't get him too far in over his head. In other words, but notice now, notice it's, it's not hard in the sense of something uh, impossible to do. But what did the instructions, what did God's ways, what did God's understanding in terms of what Naaman needed to do to be healed, what, what did that uh, uh, expose in uh, Naaman's heart? It exposed his pride. It exposed his dependence upon his position, upon his own person. It exposed his belief that uh, anything or anybody could be bought. Are you seeing all this, right? So it made it seem so hard. Let's just sum it up real simple, okay? It made it seem hard because of Naaman's pride. Naaman's pride is what made these instructions seem hard, if not impossible to do. Now, I had this down towards the bottom of my notes. Give me just a second. I want to find it. Um, I think this is a good place as any, uh, maybe the right place. I want to kind of give you uh, a scenario. Now, some of the stuff that I moved past would have set this up a little better, but I don't know how much time we're going to have to get through all of this, and I want to make sure that we get to this part this morning, okay? Some of the things that we moved past that I would have reviewed would be something like this. God's trying to take you to a place you can't get to on your own. Anybody ever heard Pastor Mark say that? Okay. And we said that um, God's ways uh, require our uh, trusting in Him, and He can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow, and that He's going to carry you down a path that you've never been before. And if you're going to follow God or anybody down a path you've never been before, it's going to require that you trust that person leading you. God is not the great cowboy who drives cattle. He is the great shepherd who leads sheep. That means if he's out in front of you leading you, if you're going to follow him where he's leading you, you're going to have to trust him. Are you seeing this? So all the ways of God require that you trust Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. If you don't trust Him, He can't direct your path. If you lean on your own understanding, depend upon, trust in your own understanding, He can't direct your paths. If you ignore Him and refuse to acknowledge Him, then He can't direct your paths. So He's giving us uh, all the prerequisites, if you will, that are necessary in our hearts, amen, that enable God. See, we think God can do anything God wants to do. Well, he, he's, he's not going to make you do anything. And I know that that, in, that that infuriates some people. They believe God will make you. and make. If God was going to make anybody do anything, He would make every human being on planet Earth get born again right now. Amen. amen. He's not willing that any should perish, but, but people perish every day. But it's not God's heart. It's not God's will. It's their choice. It's our choice. Life is choice-driven, therefore it must be spirit-led. So I want to, I want to give you an, an example scenario here, okay? And I, and I pray this, again, if, if the scenario that I've chosen is offensive to you, I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. And I, I really, it would take two or three uh, sermons uh, to, to, to really build this case. But, 
But let me just, let's let the Holy Spirit lead us and, and we'll go where he's leading, okay? So here's, here's an example scenario that I want to present to you this morning. Based upon the Word of God, God is trying to lead you and me to a place of financial abundance and prosperity that you cannot get to on your own. Okay? He wants you to prosper and He wants you to experience financial abundance. Now, I'm going to give you just a few key verses because if I was going to, again, thoroughly teach this, we wouldn't have time for the rest. But let me just give you a few verses, Old and New Testament, all right? Uh, first of all, we see Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Father God takes pleasure in your prosperity. As a matter of fact, if you understand the, the full balance of teaching on this, God is glorified when you and I are successful. Just like any earthly parent is glorified when their children are successful. When, when their children a- achieve and, and obtain and progress. What parent among us does not want our children to have it better than we have it? Amen. And we get that heart from our Heavenly Father, who not only desires for you to prosper, but it brings Him pleasure when you're successful and you prosper. Proverbs 10 and 22. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. Now, people can leave God out of their lives and become rich, but you cannot leave God out of your life and become rich with no sorrow. Amen. The only way you can be financially prosperous as well as mentally and emotionally prosperous, amen, is if you let God bring you to that place of abundance and prosperity in life rather than you scratching and clawing and using the world's ways and methods to get there yourself. So when I say God's trying to get you to a place you can't get to on your own, I mean, even even then we could make the case that, that you know, God gave people the gifts and the intelligence and the health and the, and the physical life and, and oxygen necessary, amen, uh, to accomplish what they've accomplished without Him. But again, um, you, can, you can take the gifts that God has given you, leave God out of your life and acquire and accumulate a whole bunch of stuff, but you're still going to be miserable in the end. As, as Brother Jesse Duplantis says, um, Money without God means you keep your lights on, but you're still just as miserable as somebody who's got as somebody who got turned out, right? Uh, turned off. Amen. You still with me? All right. So, Third John two is another one, and again, we could we could do this all morning. But Third John two says, "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." So He desires above all, all things. Amen. This is the heart of God for you. That you be healthy and that you be wealthy. But notice now, he says that even more importantly than your outward physical health and well-being and prosperity is your inward health, well-being and prosperity. Now, let's go back to it, okay? So God is trying, I'm, I'm trying to give you an example scenario here. God, God's desire for you and for me as his children is to lead us to a place of financial abundance and prosperity uh, a level of abundance and prosperity that you cannot get to on your own, okay? And God's ways of getting you there is a way you've never been before. It is an unfamiliar road. Are you with me? 
So lots of paths to financial abundance and prosperity, okay? I mean, just stay up late and watch some late night infomercial and they'll try to sell you a CD set that'll get you there in in 90 days or whatever, okay? There's all kinds of pathways to financial increase, amen, legal and illegal. Am I right about it? Legal and illegal. When you fill out your taxes this year, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit prompt this in your heart, okay? You do not have to cheat to win. You do not have to cheat to win. Satan tries to make us think as God's people that we got to bend the rules, we got to fudge the numbers, we got to be dishonest in order to be successful. That's a lie. As God's people, we do not have to cheat to win. We can succeed and prosper and rise above no matter what's going on in this world's economy, no matter what's going on with the interest rates, no matter how much uh, gas prices increase or decrease. Amen. We don't have to cut corners. We don't have to be dishonest. The devil will tell you you've got to do that. You do not. He's a liar. So God's ways of getting you to a level of financial prosperity and abundance that you cannot get to on your own is a way of doing, a way of living, a way of operating that you have not tried or been down before. It is an unfamiliar road. Now let me remind you again, God's ways are not hard. The Bible's very clear that God's yoke is what is, is easy... And his burden is light. God's ways seem hard because they expose things in our hearts and lives that need to be dealt with. That, that, need, that need to be understood and recognized. I've talked some about this, more about this on Wednesday nights than, than I have on Sunday mornings. And, and that um, where we began this morning that Jesus, the blood of Jesus got it all. Amen. Uh, one sacrifice for all sin for all time is, is, is something we've been talking about on, um, on Wednesday nights, okay? And the Bible is very clear that our salvation is eternal. If Jesus, Jesus said, and I, I could go for hours on this as well, but if Jesus, Jesus said, if the Son of God makes you free, makes you where you're no longer a slave, but you're a, a, a son of God, a child of God yourself, then you will abide in Father's house until you mess up, until you make him mad, until you commit the same offense uh, 15 times and he's done with you. No, see, again, he says you will abide in Father's house forever. Here, here's an astounding one, okay? Here's an astounding one. Jesus said to his disciples, the greatest prophet born of a woman is John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Watch this now. The least in the kingdom is uh, the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. In another verse, Jesus identifies what it means to be the least in the kingdom. The least in the kingdom is someone who not only breaks the commandments but teaches other people to, to break them. We call that person a reprobate, a heathen. We 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 say there ain't no way they can be saved. Okay, no, no. See, here's the difference. John the Baptist, born of a woman. Anyone who's in the kingdom has been born of the Spirit. Anyone who's in the kingdom has been born from the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Anyone who's in the kingdom has been born again. The only way into the kingdom is to be born again. The greatest prophet born of a woman is John the Baptist, but the least in the kingdom. In other words, any, anybody who's been born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God is greater than the greatest product of the Old Testament. Yeah. 
We're not even comparing apples to apples here anymore. But now, I, I'm, again, as you can see, I'm passionate about that. Squeeze the ketchup bottle and ketchup comes out. But now watch this, okay? There, there are people who are infuriated by someone like me who would be bold enough to, to teach that. Okay? And so here, here, is, here is a, a thought, okay? Um, what, what needs to be fixed in you? What jealousy, what selfishness, what envy, what religious spirit needs to be dealt with in the man or a woman who is angry about somebody making it into heaven whose sin seemed to be greater than their own. Are you following me? Are you following me? Do you see what I'm talking about? In other words, something's wrong with somebody who is angry about somebody getting into heaven that they don't think ought to be there. Are you, are you seeing this? It's exactly what it is. A prodigal, it's that older brother spirit, right? When the, when the father forgave the younger brother and the older brother pitched a fit about it, he thought he was angry with the son, but he's really angry with the father who showed him such compassion and mercy and restoration. You say, I thought we were talking, which sermon are we on, Pastor Mark? Well, we're on both of them, but, but listen, I'm, what I'm trying to show you here is, what I'm trying to help you understand is that God's ways expose things in us that make them seem hard. That make them seem unfair. That make them uh, uh, offensive even to our own understanding. See, our own understanding says somebody that continues to, to do this or abuse that or, or practice this sin, at, a, at some point you're going to go too far at some point. you know. And, and then we find out later that they're in heaven and we're upset about it. That God still has mercy on them and we're upset about it. That we're judging that person and we find out that Jesus is already judged on behalf of that person. And we're upset about it. And see, that's, that's telling you and me there's something in us that, that needs to be dealt with. And, and all the ways of God are like that. God's ways of getting you uh, to a place of financial prosperity and abundance that you can't get to on your own, um, that you've never been before, is an unfamiliar road. So God's ways aren't hard. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. God's ways seem hard because they expose things in our hearts and lives that need to be dealt with. So let me, let me get to this, alright? In a nutshell, in a nutshell, giving with the right heart is God's way of increasing you financially. That's it in a nutshell, okay? Giving with the right heart. Not just giving. Giving uh, even with, with, with a heart that's not quite understanding or it's not quite in the right place will benefit you some. But when, you know, if you're giving to be seen of people and all that stuff, Jesus said, whatever warm, fuzzy feelings you got from giving is all you're going to get. Okay. So there's a little bit of benefit in that. All right. But when, when you give as unto the Lord, when you give being led by God's spirit, when he prompts you to give and you give, when you give with a willing heart, a cheerful heart, God loves a cheerful giver. Meaning God doesn't just want you to give, He wants you to want to give. Amen. But, but again, when, when we give in such a way that honors God, this is God's way of increasing you financially. Now again, I, I could spend the rest of today and two more Sundays explaining all this, but I'm going to give you just a couple of verses. First of all, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38 says, Give, Jesus speaking, give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Here's one of my favorites, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one uh, give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. I'm reading the Word of God now, all right? Here's one more, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be empty. So that you won't have food to feed your children. So that you won't have anything to, uh, to, 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 to uh, uh, survive on through the winter. Is that what it says? No. So that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. Amen. So that, in other words, he's telling you to honor him by giving so that you can uh, receive more and increase in, in, in financial abundance, okay? All right? Now, watch this. To most people, this makes absolutely no sense. To most people, this makes absolutely no sense to their own understanding. For most people, and, I, and listen, we're not most people, are we? But for most people, giving some of what you have can only mean financial decrease. And therefore, giving must be God trying to teach us how to live with less. That's how a lot of people look at this. And we see like two extremes where, where people take a vow of poverty because they think that that's what God means when they give. That we should give it away because God doesn't want us to be blessed or, or prosper or to have things and nice things. Are you following me now? So... <clears throat> God's ways seem hard because they expose misplaced trust. What do most people, that's not you and me, but what do most people look to for their security? What do most people look to for their answers? What do most people look to um, for their acceptance and their identity, even their purpose and their significance? What do most people put their trust in? What do most people look to for their needs and their desires? How do we get what we want? How do we get what we need? They look to money. They look to money. Money's how we get these things. Money's how we acquire these things. Money is how we reach these, the, these levels, right? So now notice, if, if, if that's you, if you look to money for your security, if you look to money as the source for what you need, if you look to money as the source for what you desire, and then God says, if you want to have uh, abundance and increase, you need to take some of your money and give it away. Are you seeing this now? This is a way we've never been before. This is an unfamiliar path 
This, this makes no sense to me. Or let me say it another way. This doesn't line up with the way I understand how things work. This, uh, this doesn't, this is offensive to my own understanding. Right? Are you seeing this? Now, what's the main point we're trying to make? The main point we're trying to make is God's ways aren't hard. They seem hard because God's ways have a tendency of exposing weaknesses in our lives, weaknesses in our character, things that we've put our trust in that we have no business putting our trust in. Bill Johnson says insecurity means you are trying to find security in the wrong things. If you are trying to find security in money, you're going to live your whole life insecure. Because you'll never find security in money. No matter how much you have. No matter how... Sweet Jesus, help us, Lord. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in man. And, 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 And putting your trust in money is just a bait and switch tactic from the enemy because if your trust is in money your trust is actually in people in man it's in your own ability to go get a third job and make more of it god's ways seem hard because they expose misplaced trust the more you look to trust in and rely upon money for your needs and wants the harder it will seem to follow god's paths to your place of abundance and prosperity. Are you seeing this? We went down this whole road because I'm trying to help you see this. And we're just using one aspect of our, of our lives. Money is an important aspect of our lives. Okay? We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And the world that we're in but not of is a financial world. Amen. In the world that we live in, money is influence. In the world that we live in, not of... In the kingdom, money doesn't, money doesn't impress God. Are you following what I'm saying? So we're, we're citizens of God's kingdom, but we're in this earth on assignment. As a matter of fact, the Bible identifies you and me as born-again men and women as ambassadors. We are representatives from our homeland. We, we are from an, another country. Amen. And we are now in this world representing the interests of our heavenly father, our king. Amen. And by the way, as an ambassador, he has promised to, to fund what you and I do here. Amen. No man goes to war. No woman goes to war at their own expense. We're ambassadors. We're on assignment with the resources of heaven backing us. But we are operating in a financially driven world. It costs money to preach the gospel. It costs money to get people born again. It costs money to get on an airplane and fly somewhere to tell somebody about Jesus. It costs money to build a building for those people to come and assemble in and be discipled. It costs, are you following what I'm saying? It costs money for, for people who do what I do in life and thank God for the opportunity to do it, right? Um, in other words, my family has to eat just like yours. Amen. And so th- thank you for your faithful giving to Heritage and, 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 and for the generous salary that you blessed me with. Amen. And if that wasn't the case, then I would do what I did for years in my life. I would be somewhere working during the week and then in here on doing the best I could to minister on, uh, on Sundays and Wednesdays and any other day that I had opportunity to do it. So the bottom line of it is, and God knows this. God knows this. This is why, I don't know if you noticed how quiet it got in here when I started talking about money again. It gets really, really quiet when you bring up money, right? And, and that ought to tell us something right there. 
uh, how, 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 you know, listen, there's a whole lot of subjects you can preach on that nobody gets offended about, but I don't know of one more sensitive and more touchy. Uh, I mean, I could, I could preach baptism in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of speaking in unknown tongues to people who don't believe in that, and they not be nearly as offended as some people would get talking about money. So if it costs money to do kingdom business in this world, who benefits from you, me, and the church being broke? It's, it's certainly not God benefiting. It's certainly not God benefiting. Satan benefits from us being broke. And so if Satan benefits from us being broke, perhaps it's Satan who is behind the lies that God doesn't take pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Perhaps it's, it's the devil behind uh, you and me learning and understanding how to trust God and follow him down an unfamiliar road to the place he's trying to take you and me to where we have uh, sufficiency in all things and are able to give financially to every good work. I told the Lord a few years ago, there's all kinds of characteristics about our Heavenly Father. And one of the things about Him is He is so generous. He is so generous. And I want to be like him. And so I want to be generous. Amen. I want to be generous. It's just something about somebody that's stingy. I don't know. We all like generous people, but we're not sure we want to be one ourselves. <laughs> Am I right about it? Amen. We, lo- we like it when we got somebody in our lives who's generous, but amen. So I began, I, it's been many years ago. Right? This has kind of been a conversation ongoing that I've had with the Lord. And, and my family knows one of the things that I say, you know, that we didn't get this far without being generous. Amen. Amen. So I started talking to the Lord about it. I said, Lord, yeah, I, w- I want to be generous about it. You know, I really, really don't have the money to be generous, you know. And so the prayer kind of went something like, Lord, if you'll increase me financially, I'll be generous. And the Lord says, no, if you'll be generous, I'll increase you financially. Do you see? Do you see how that works, right? So this may sound silly for some of you, but so I'll tell you one of the key places that it started for me. It started me being generous to my own family. And then another, and this is so simple, but this is another one. I I started increasing the gratuity that I would would give to uh, a server at a restaurant. Are you hearing me? Last year, for the first time, I did a more than 100% tip. See, some of you still in the 10%. Now, would a generous man or woman not leave a generous tip at a restaurant? See, if you want to be a generous person, then be one. And start where you are. So we have all this, man, if I had this, if I won the lottery, if I did this, blah, 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 blah. Now, see, the Bible's very clear about it. If you, if you won't be faithful and honor God with a little bit, you won't be faithful and honor God with a lot. For those of you still trying to do the math, like if the meal costs $50 
more than 100% tip means the tip would be more than $50. That's what we mean by more than 100%. The third time I ever left 100% tip, it was right after the restaurants opened back up from COVID and I was ready to go to a restaurant. So Pam and I, one of our favorites is Cheesecake Factory, you know that. And, and um, I really felt like the Lord impressed me. He said, you, you know, tip him 100%. And I'm like, okay. So I, I did it. I, didn't, I wasn't wanting to see it or anything like that. And um, he came back in tears. Literally, the server came back in tears. He said, you will never know how much this means to me and how much this is helping me. He said, We've, he said people in this industry have suffered So again, so you, now watch this, watch this, okay? If you are or ever have been a server in a restaurant, you probably enjoy people being generous. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right about it? You probably enjoy people being generous. So see, again, we all enjoy generous people, so let's be generous. Like our Father in heaven. He's a generous God. But if you're waiting for Him to give you the money that you need to be generous, you're at a stalemate. You need to start being generous now. So that's why the whole, the whole thing of the tithe, is God is so brilliant. Again, doable. We have one account in Scripture that I'm aware of where he told uh, the rich young ruler to give everything that he has and come and, and follow him. And, and we know that, that the rich, that young man, he went away sorrowful because he had great, great possessions, great wealth. Now, again, uh, uh, Zacchaeus, he volunteered half of his wealth to give back to the people he had wronged. And Jesus said, this day the kingdom has come to this man's house. Right? In other words, this... This is a born again. This man, Zacchaeus, you can talk to Zacchaeus one day in heaven. I mean, he's there, okay? And he gave, he gave half, and Jesus, didn't, he volunteered that. So you have to keep reading after that young man with a lot of wealth walked away. And Jesus talks about how difficult it is for someone who trusts in money to enter into the kingdom. Not how difficult it is for someone who has money, but for someone who trusts in money. Having money and trusting in money are two separate things. You can trust in money and have little to none, or you can trust in money and have a lot. So what does, what does God do to make it doable? Again, notice how brilliant He is. The tithe is 10% of, of your increase. Are you following me? So if, if you make $500 a week, or if you make $5,000 a week, it's 10%. Are you seeing this? Doable. That's doable. Praise God. Hard would be 50%. Hard would be if God says, uh, all right, 90% to me and 10% for you. That's not what somebody said. But now watch this. If, if you've ever figured out that God doesn't need the money per se, 
right? You know, if he's sitting on a golden throne with golden streets and pearl gates, I mean, God's got it going on. God's, amen. If nice things bother you, you're not going to like heaven. Because it's nice up there. It's really, really nice up there. Amen. So what's, what is the deal? Is God saying, you need to learn how to live on 90% of your income? It's not what he's saying. See, that's your own understanding that you're leaning on there. Your own understanding says God doesn't need the money more than I need it. They got, they're doing well down there at the church. They don't need that. Again, you've missed the whole point. God's ways are doable, but our reluctance and resistance to do them, it's exposing something in us that needs to be exposed. Are you following me? Not, not trusting God. We're thinking God's wanting us to live on less than we, than we have and, and, and blah, blah, blah. See, let's, let's turn this around. Stand with me and we'll finish right here. Let's turn this around. Praise God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading me to get on to this because, amen, we, this is where we needed to be this morning. I've, I've been preaching 40-something years, and I'm telling you to this day, to this day, I, have, I am unable to look at a set of notes and figure out how long it will take me to preach the sermon. I literally came to this sermon, I came to this pulpit this morning thinking, Lord, you know, when I run out of notes, you're going to have to, you know, show me what to say next. <laughs> Praise God, help me, Jesus. All right. The more you look to trust in and rely upon money for your needs and wants, the harder it will seem to follow God's paths to your place of abundance and prosperity. So he's trying to get you to a place you can't get to on your own. But you'll never get there unless you trust him because he's going to lead you down an unfamiliar road. And the unfamiliar road means you're going to have to trust what he says and where he leads or else you're never going to get there. And when it comes to financial abundance and prosperity, the only way to get there is by giving from the right heart. Amen. Your own understanding will tell you God's trying to teach you how to live on less because it doesn't make sense to you that that giving will actually bring increase into your life. But notice now this is where this is where trusting in God comes into play. But the more you put your trust in and rely upon money, the harder it's going to seem to write that check. The harder it's going to seem to give that money. But now watch this. The opposite is true. The less you look to trust in and rely upon money for your needs and wants, the easier it will be. And so that brings us to the verse that we'll get to next week, Proverbs 4 and 18. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter to the perfect day. What does that mean? That means the longer you follow Jesus down the path that God has for your life, the more clear and the more obvious the path will become. Every step, every step, praise God, praise God. Could I just say it one more time because it just really irritates the devil. Matter of fact, I want you to say it. Let's get this in your mouth. Look at somebody around you and tell them, Jesus got it all. He got all the sin. He got it all. I mean, the, 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 the surgeon's report is in, in Romans and Hebrews, and he got it all. No, no sin left. No sin left to separate me from my Father. Amen. 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 Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for what you've done. You gave the greatest gift of all. The greatest expression of love is giving, and you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Father, thank you that you didn't send Jesus to this world to condemn us. He could have come as a judge instead of a savior. He could have come to bring your wrath instead of your mercy. Because he lived a sinless life as a human being, he could have used that to condemn every one of us to an eternity in a devil's hell. But instead, he gave that standard of his righteousness to you and me, uh, to each one of us, Father, as a gift. And Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for helping us embrace and understand what that means. Father, we use the scenario of money, but there's lots of different uh, scenarios because every facet of our lives, Lord, from being married to raising children to managing our finances, Lord, to how we treat other people, to, to um, the, the things that we aspire to, Lord, your ways are clearly established in your word where all of these different uh, life ventures and life aspects are concerned. And Lord, in each one of those, uh, what really seems hard is exposing something in our hearts and in our lives, Father, that needs to change, that needs to be resolved. Help us recognize that, Lord. Help us uh, as we go, Lord. Uh, you, you healed um, the, uh, the ten lepers as they went, as they obeyed and as they walked out your instructions, Lord. Healing and cleansing manifested in their lives. And so, Father, in the same way, in the same way, um, it's doable. Um, it's, it's, it's a yoke, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a light. It's an easy yoke. It's a burden, but it's a light burden. And, Lord, if it's not light and easy, it's not you. And so thank you for helping us today. Thank you for loving us the way you have. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Much love and good things to you and your family. Remember, the giving reports are on the back table. Uh, your, if you gave online, those have been emailed to you. If you need any help with that, please don't hesitate to reach out to me.